and welcome to the Hoops Dramas podcast. Adam Shalafu here with the man, the myth, the legend, Kurt Schroeder. How are you doing, man? Oh, fantastic, Fu. How are you, buddy? I'm quite well. I uh, got my Michael Porter Jr., my Moderna Pfizer Johnson. Uh, just kidding. I got the Johnson & Johnson. Uh, wait, Moderna Pfizer... Is it what? What is it? Moderna, Pfizer. Is it Moderna, Pfizer, Johnson? Johnson and Johnson, Jansen, whatever they want to call it. So yeah, the, the MPJ. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm fully ready. You know, a little uh, foggy on today's uh, podcast, but the good news is I did not fall victim of the great pandemic. We have seen it through, and we'll continue to see it through. A glorious day to be alive and a glorious day to cast some pods and a uh, glorious week to be a Celtics fan. Uh, Jason Tatum going into straight video game mode the other day and tying Larry Bird's record for 60 points in a game for a Boston Celtics. Absolutely preposterous. What were your thoughts as a diehard Celtics fan? Uh, mixed feelings, because obviously you like to see one of the best players in the league, obviously best player on the Celtics go for 60, but in unusual circumstances, because he needed 60 because they were down 32. And so you don't want to find yourself down 32 to a, a very average Spurs team, to say the least. Now they came back and won that game in overtime, high scoring affair, but you just wish that it wouldn't get to that point. You know, but yeah. I mean, at the same time, obviously capable of getting buckets. I believe that he was, oh, what was it? The youngest, second youngest player to get 60. Um, and then, of course, the other person was Devin Booker when he was 20 to drop 70. Um, that was garbage time. Was yeah, garbage time, especially against the Celtics because yeah. uh, the Celtics blew them out in yeah. that game. So yeah. it was like, I mean, yeah, Booker's just shooting threes late and nobody cares. Yeah, that's cute. Like, that's the time I dropped 16 on the freshman when I was a senior in high school. That's great. Like, that's a pretty weak career high, but, <laughs> you know, whatever. Devin Booker's better than I am at basketball. Uh, but I do kind of put a I put an asterisk on that 70-point game. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, it has to come when you're helping your team win or, you know, a, a Kobe performance where he's just going off, just going with the hot hand, but – yeah, I, I can't remember how many points Booker had in that fourth quarter, but he got a handful of them late. And, we you know, when the game was well out of reach. So, uh, you know, I'm not mad if you put an asterisk against it. I mean, don't get me wrong. Incredibly impressive. And I think he's uh, gotten a lot better since. We're looking at the best Devin Booker we've ever, ever seen in the basketball world right now. But I would say that Tatum's 60 points is more impressive to me as you said, it's in an effort where he helped his team win. They were down huge and uh, super efficient game, 20 of 37 from the field. And just kind of willed his team to win, especially when you consider uh, Jalen Brown, five for 24 that night, four of 12 from the three-point line. Now, he did ha- hit that huge three. I uh, believe that one, what, what did it force overtime or uh, put them up late? Yeah, tied it late from the corner there. Yeah, yeah. And so he had some big buckets, but, you know, he, he just put the team on his back and more of a heroic 60 point outing and uh, just the dominant second half. We get 42 to 25 and then uh, 38 to, or I'm sorry, 42 to 26 and then 28. Uh, sorry, a little technical glitch there, but just dominance in the, in the second half for the Celtics and uh, on, on his back. And it's kind of hard to 
remember that the guy's only 23. Like he hasn't even hit his prime yet. Yeah, totally. I, I think one of the things that we've seen him kind of evolve is, uh, you know, not necessarily a, an efficient season. I, I think that he, you know, by no means is he being inefficient, but I think that the biggest knock on him was, okay, he's going to get you points. He's obviously, you know, expanded his, his range. He was always a good shooter, but now he's knocking down the three consistently. Yeah. And it was always one of those things where it's like, okay, he's going to get you points, but on how many field goal attempts. And now it just seems that he's kind of cleaning up the efficiency, especially as of late he's going for his, you know, what is he 26 a game, something like that. I believe he's uh, you know, top 10 in the league in scoring. And you just like to see that from an efficiency standpoint. And it just seems that like really the whole team, Jalen Brown falls into that category as well. Always good players, but not as efficient as they could be. And now they're just making strides to make them themselves more efficient offensively, which is something that they've struggled with pretty much all season as a team. The, uh, the overall offensive efficiency, they've been more defensive oriented than offensive oriented. So hopefully they figure things out down the stretch in, in terms of the offensive efficiency. But yeah, Tatum has definitely made strides in that department for sure. Well, where do you see them right now? Because you got Fournier, who is an interesting addition. And frankly, I thought it was going to go a little bit better. He's averaging nine points per game for the Celtics in his 10 games with them so far. Uh, it's not like he's playing huge minutes, but definitely someone they brought in for the offense. He's been pretty inconsistent to say the least, but the Celtics seem to have, I hesitate to say, I guess this is what I'm asking. Have they righted the shift or or the ship? Do you feel comfortable at this point? I'm glad you asked that. I have so many thoughts on this, Adam, because I don't know. And that's the worst part. (laughs) So I'm looking at their schedule and this was since March. I, you know, I kind of want to have like a little bit of recency involved here, but you have losses to the thunder, the Bulls, the Hornets, the Cavs, the Kings, the Grizzlies, and the Pelicans. Not good teams. Yeah. Then you have them topping the Clippers, the Bucks, the Knicks. I can't believe we're saying the Knicks are a good team, but they Knicks are. really good. The Nuggets and the Suns. So they're beating some good teams in there. They're also losing to some good teams in there, but they're losing to some really bad teams. And as you mentioned with Evan Fournier, like there are times where he'll go 0 for whatever and he'll contribute absolutely nothing. And then there are games where he'll be super efficient and miss like one or two field goals. So you just never know what you're going to get from him. Obviously they've had to insert him into the starting lineup with so many injuries. And I don't know if that's his role. I think that he's kind of a guy that really flourishes off the bench, but I think one thing that stands out to me is they haven't really had much of a, a consistent starting lineup. You've had, I think Brown has missed time with COVID smart Tatum were all in the uh, COVID protocol. So, and then obviously Kemba Walker has been hurt for most of the season. Didn't even start the season with the team because he was hurt, played a little bit. Now he's, uh, you know, still shelled. And so it's just like, we don't know, I, I guess as a, as a fan, what we're going to get, but we've also not really seen in kind of a large sample size, what they could be, when healthy, because I think that everything right now is kind of trending to the point of, okay, you know, they've been in COVID protocol. Hopefully that doesn't happen again, obviously with the same people, but when you have Kemba Walker, you know, hopefully coming back, they should be at full strength when it really matters. So I think it kind of is just to be determined, but like Marcus smart has had a down season. He hasn't been very efficient offensively, never really been a good offensive player, obviously more defensive oriented. Like I said, Kemba's always hurt. The bench is absolutely atrocious, Adam. Like, you have three guys that I think you can count on. You have Peyton Pritchard, which he's been phenomenal. Yeah, steal, um, then, total steal. Yeah, and then Aaron Neesmith was 
garbage the entire season except for the last few weeks or so now he is sizzling from distance and the reason why they got him was because they were like we need some more outside shooting so they drafted the best shooter in college and he just hasn't gotten a lot of burn I don't know if it was health I don't know if it was team chemistry or whatever but he has been phenomenal recently and then a guy that kind of had come off the bench or in the starting lineup you know one of my favorites Adam Robert Williams the third the time lord <laughs> yeah well. I, I believe he's uh seventh or eighth now in a player efficiency rating in the league which is so funny because you look at that the uh, the rating and you see all these top guys and you're like okay it makes sense makes sense and you're like who the heck is robert williams the third but he's been outstanding too they got i i've noticed this in the the recent weeks too is brad stevens is really kind of shortening his rotation so you have guys like romeo langford that they drafted last year he's been terrible um good defensive player but doesn't really bring anything offensively Tremont waters Decent player, but he's 5'10". Uh, Carson Edwards never plays. Shemi Ojale should not even be in the league. I Not a big Ojale guy. Yeah, he's one of my least favorite players for sure. So I think that they're kind of trimming the fat a little bit, trying to figure out who they can trust, who they can roll with. And I think that they're realizing that, you know, maybe they need to be in a seven to eight man rotation. Maybe if you get Kemba Walker back, that expands to, you know, eight or nine or so. There's a lot of guys they can't trust. And I think that Brad Stevens is figuring that out. So, Long-winded answer, but to answer your question, I don't really know what happens with this team because we haven't seen them at full strength, but it does seem that they're kind of figuring things out, trimming the fat as we get closer and closer to the playoffs. Fair enough. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. Uh, Today is Tuesday, and they are just one game behind the Miami Heat, so they're in that seventh spot, which, of course, this year is a play-in situation if it were to end today. Uh, The Heat have won three in a row. They are a team trending in the right direction. Uh, the Celtics, you'd like to see them just win a little bit more consistently on the road. That that 13 and 18 road record is a bit of a difference maker. Boston, historically such a tough place to play. But if they can just get a few on the road, that might go a long way, especially considering the fact that there is little to no chance. I think mathematically there's a slim chance they're able to get up to the four spot and pass up the Knicks, but three games behind the Knicks and the season's winding down quick. So it's not looking likely. So this team's going to have to figure it out on the road. And even teams like the Hornets and the Pacers and the Wizards are really dangerous. I, I don't believe in the Pacers right now. I think that firing Nate McMillan was a huge mistake, frankly. I don't think that they use Sabonis nearly as well as they could. I think that, uh, he should be putting up monster stat lines every night, not just every now and then. That's a whole different conversation. But then, you know, Hornets get LaMelo Ball back. Russell Westbrook is uh, playing like a man possessed. And so the Celtics are certainly in a very interesting and surprisingly deep race in that 7 through 10 in the Washington Wizards. And uh, I will just leave out the Chicago Bulls who are, uh, pretty much getting ready to they'll, they'll only wear their black uniforms for the rest of the year. Cause it's a funeral at this point. Uh, they're just going to their own funeral, but I digress. Let's move to the Western conference. This is a team you have insisted all season was the team to come out of the West. And they certainly have gotten it together lately. They've lost their last three, but they've been tremendous since the trade deadline. And that is the Los Angeles Clippers, a team of dogs. We'll talk about dogs lately, but this is a team of dogs. 
Yeah, one of the things that, I mean, for the record, I picked them to win the NBA Finals last year. That didn't work out. And I think that this team this year is worse off, at least on paper. You know, you lose Lou Williams. That was, you know, they, they got rid of him. Um, and then Montrez Rondo. Yeah, picked up Rondo. Um, but they did lose Montrez Harrell, too. So they had some good pieces from a season ago. I really thought that they were built to win it all last year. That didn't pan out. But a few things stand out to me this season, Adam, just looking at the uh, kind of the, the team stats around the league. So the Clippers, NBA best around, I think it's 41.6%. I'm just going to round up to 42% from three as a team. That's better than the next place team by 2%. So, you know, the name of the game is obviously how can you score the most points? And obviously three is worth more than two. So if you have a team that shoots the three better than anybody, that is going to play right into their hand. Seventh is a team in field goal percentage offensively. That's not, uh, you know, not tops, but of course it's not bad either. Best free throw percentage as well. There are a lot of times where games come down to who can sink their free throws. Especially get in the team, playoffs. Especially in the playoffs, you're going to get a team who's down and they're going to foul to try to get themselves back in it. Well, the Clippers are number one in free throw percentage. So free throws, three pointers, uh, fourth best and not turning the ball over. So they're not giving away free possessions. Uh, I like the rotation now when you have Nicholas Batum. He's coming off the bench now instead of being in the starting lineup. In a total uh, renaissance here for him. Absolutely. But the presence is getting some burn as well. And then you mentioned Rajon Rondo, which I think that, you know, few players really elevate their game in the playoffs quite like Rajon Rondo. Yeah. So, He's going to facilitate. He's going to defend just an all around guy you want on your team as opposed to playing against. And then the last point I have is Luke Kennard, a good offseason addition for this team, shooting 46 percent from three. I don't know where he ranks individually from distance, but I mean, anytime you get a guy who's knocking down 46 percent of his threes for the season, that is encouraging as well. I would agree. I thought he was going to be better this year, not to say he hasn't been good. But going into the season, he was someone I thought absolutely had a good shot for sixth man of the year. And he kind of had a rough time adjusting to the squad. But you are starting to see it come together. I love the Rondo move. Don't get me wrong about, you know, uh, what, are, what are they calling him now? Honey Barbecue Lou? Oh, uh, Lemon Pepper Lou. Lemon Pepper Lou. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, don't get me wrong about Lemon Pepper, you know. He's, he's pretty nasty, but Rondo just seems to fit this team's identity a little bit better. And don't get me wrong, Bev is a dog. You know, both those guys are going to give everything they have defensively, but Rondo's historically great for setting people up. And people still talk about him like he's not a great three-point shooter, but that's just not – the case anymore you know he, he's five last night yeah and uh Woj just tweeted here uh Patrick Beverly is progressing on making his return to the lineup Toronto against Toronto tonight and so he's missed the last 12 that's gonna be huge but uh that's someone who really helps their offense but also fits that defensive uh, identity and I think the x factor here as far as talking about them coming out of the Western conferences, this is a guy who just was on the Los Angeles Lakers. And so it's very interesting because we're looking at a situation where they may very well meet in the first round. And some people might say that's the Western conference finals. So you add a guy who knows the enemy. I think Lao Tzu said, uh, know your, know your enemy and 
never fear in a thousand battles or something like that. Know yourself. I don't know. From my head, Adam, I, yeah. I trust. I see where you're going, but yeah, I think one thing that comes to mind too, we've been talking about the Clippers for the last few minutes or so. haven't even mentioned Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. Right. So yeah, I think mean, one of the reasons why, and I don't necessarily want to say I'm a, a traditionalist by any means, but you know, I don't necessarily go with the, what have you done for me lately type situation, which is why I, I don't really believe in the jazz to win it all. Don't really believe in the nuggets. Um, as I've told you, there are three teams that I kind of just hone in on. You got the Clippers Lakers are looking real bad right now, but I'm never going to bet against Anthony Davis and LeBron James, especially if they figure themselves out. And then obviously, right. so in my opinion, you really only have a chance if you have at least two legitimate superstars and Paul George is that Kawhi Leonard is that, which is why I think that the Clippers have a, a very good chance of winning it all. Fair enough. Yeah, and they've been uh, they've been solid against the Lakers this year. Uh, obviously, the Lakers another really good defensive team. Uh, but as you mentioned earlier in the segment, they're consistently shooting over forty six or around forty six percent. You said as a team. No, uh, Clippers around. I think it's forty one point six percent. Okay, forty one point six. Luke Kennard was shooting forty six percent individually. Okay, yeah. So they're shooting forty one percent from three against the Lakers, and. Uh, that that's a team. It's just going to be a fun matchup. It would be kind of a shame if, if we get that in the first round, but two giant teams, I think the Clippers would get the edge on shooting and they haven't really gotten to see each other in full force very much. And we don't know who the Lakers are right now. We're still getting an idea of how this Drummond Davis LeBron thing's going to work. And, you know, it, I always compare teams to the Monstars, but it might just be an ill-fitting group. You know, you might be too big and not quick enough. And LeBron talking about the ankle injury, he said he might not ever be back to 100% as a player. That's, uh, that's going to be a problem against Kawhi say, Leonard. As the young folks say, I think that's cap. Okay. I, 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 don't, I don't think – I'm not reading into that. When the guy spends over a million dollars a season to keep himself healthy, I, I think he'll find a way. Yeah. I'm sure he'll be limited, but, you know, will he ever admit to being limited – down the road if he underperforms i i don't think so also this is why you've been creating super teams since 2010 lebron so you can have help except for his first year with the lakers in 2018 yeah sorry for the guy at all fair enough fair enough i know you you're historically not a huge lebron fan no Uh, we got a live studio audience today here uh friend of the podcast ben savage and you just got a, a a good smile from ben over here on that comment so Oh, not a LeBron guy, Ben Savage. No, let's be honest. None of us are LeBron guys. I mean, you're a Celtics fan. He's a Warriors fan. Come on. We can't be. (laughs) I'm a Bulls fan. Yeah. (laughs) We we don't like the guy. He's not getting a pass. No. No, no. And I I always compare him to uh, Magic Johnson meets Dominique Wilkins meets Jackie Moon. Like he's got all the on-court skills, but then you throw in. He's an entertainment sensation. He's the GM and he's pretty much an assistant coach. And so we'll see. We'll see how it goes for uh, LeBron on this taco Tuesday. In fact, which uh, I think he trademarked that or just tried. He tried to. And then I think he realized that people have been saying that for decades. Yeah. You know, way to lack originality, LeBron. Yeah. Yeah. You think just because you call yourself the king, you can just claim ownership on things. Yeah, like there haven't been kings in England for 
centuries before him. Yeah, yeah. I I haven't matched my socks since 1999. I didn't trademark not matching my socks. I just I just don't match my socks. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You can't be the first one for everything. Yeah, uh, let's let's move into the dogs, and we're not talking about literal dogs. We're, we're, this kind of goes into our basketball philosophy. So let's let's take a, a walk down memory lane. We met doing local news together in the great state of Montana and uh, quickly identified uh, in a real recognizes real sort of way. We, we have similar tastes in basketball. We both like the, the crazy guys the run our tests, if you will. <laughs> and so uh, we decided today we're going to do a segment where we compile a team of just straight dogs in today's NBA. So uh, why, once you get us started here is we'll, we'll make a, let's make a five man rotation and then one guy off the bench. Okay. So are we going uh, just six straight or are we, are we drafting? Uh, let's just, uh, we'll, we'll build this one together. Okay. And so uh, it, 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 we can go flexible here. It doesn't have to be a traditional center. It doesn't have to be a traditional forward, you know, p- positionless dogs. Uh, there, there's definitely a short list of guys uh, that come to my mind as well. So like Mark, a smart dog. For sure. Uh, are we going three picks each to round it out to a total of six? Yeah, well, uh, well, we'll come to a consensus, you know, okay. like, for example, do you approve the Marcus Smart for our Absolutely. one of our guards? Who? I had him on my list. Had him Perfect. on my list. All right. Who else is on your list? All right. Now, I, I really don't think this is a reach. I'm going Colin Sexton. Oh, wow. And I, I look back to like, you remember when he was drafted by the Cavs and it was a G League or not a G League game. What am I talking about? Summer League game. And he was picking up Josh Hart at the uh, top of the three-point line. And he is just like wide stance, flexing his muscles, just like not blinking. And it's just like, this is a summer league game for a guy who was a lottery pick. And, you know, he also had that game in college where he was playing three on five because people were uh, hurt and then fouled out. And the uh, Crimson Tide that. quite a run there. And then he's also notorious for that uh, that uh, that clip where I believe it was in high school where he's at the free throw line or not at the free throw line looking to get the rebound off someone else on his team who is uh, shooting the free throw. And there's a player next to him who's just staring him down and he like looks down, adjusts his stance and just stares back at the guy. And I'm like, yes, you got to have a little bit of psycho on your team and Colin Sexton dog. And Adam, as you say, they ain't no puppies. They dog. <laughs> I, I think that belongs to the great Jameis Winston <laughs> eating W's. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he's got to be on there. I mean, not a great defender. I always think of my dogs are really good defenders, but he's got that offensive dog mentality. And 15 points in the fourth quarter against the Nets, I believe that was in January. And that was a game where he had 42 points and pretty much single-handedly took out the nets in double overtime. And I believe that was like the first game James Harden was even there. And so when he's like talking crap to Kyrie Irving, who I know you're not a huge fan of. uh, So that probably scored you some cool points. (laughs) Yeah. Colin Sexton. I, I want to throw him in there, Adam. All right. We'll allow it. So we, we got our, we got our guards 
sorted. Anything you want to say about Marcus Smart? I feel like everyone knows the guy's just a psycho, a lockdown yeah. defender, uh, not much of an offensive player, as you mentioned earlier. But I don't know if there's many guys in the league who are going to have that many floor burns. Yeah, I mean, he gets every single loose ball. Um, always comes up with a big steal or good, like great defensive play. I believe that he had one. I want to say it was the Raptors series last year where he got a, a steal late to just shut it down. And it, it was like only a few guys make that play. And Marcus Smart is a guy that you obviously want on your team. You don't want to be playing against him because he can pick up everybody. And, you know, I he has his moments offensively. You know, I, by no means would I say he's like an, a liability offensively. But defensively, I mean, he's been on an all-NBA team defensively. Um, it just – a guy that doesn't shy away from anyone just gets after it. Every single play, no plays off. You got to love it. Uh, A lot of these guys eventually or inevitably, or they get in some foul trouble. They get some technical fouls. Sometimes they lose a game for you. A lot of times they win a game for you. And the perfect example here is somebody who definitely helped his team lose the NBA finals infamously. Uh, The great nutcracker himself, Draymond Green. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got to be on there. Yeah, obviously an elite defender. I think that that's like his biggest calling card for sure. Uh, Defensive player of the year, I believe, what, 2016? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, a handful of years ago. Uh, great offensive player as well, not necessarily from a shooting standpoint, but just being in the flow of the game, setting picks for people, um, you know, for a forward to average as many assists as he does. Uh, you know, Draymond Green, another guy that you want on your team. He's like having a coach on the floor. He had a 19 assist game recently and it's weird. You know, I played a little bit of fantasy basketball. I got recruited by the legend Noah Ambuel, kind of as the ringer, if you will, to help him with his fantasy basketball team. We didn't do very well. Fantasy basketball is hard. Very good at fantasy football. Of course I digress, but we picked up Draymond Green off waivers and it was just like we never knew when to play him. Whether he puts up these monster stat lines or not, he's always going to make a massive impact on the game. And he's like having an offensive and defensive coordinator. He's going to tell you exactly what the other team's going to draw up uh, in their last game. And there's that clip earlier this season where he's like telling Jordan Poole where to go and where the screen's coming from. And the Warriors play excellent defense and win it. And then the fact that you, especially with no Clay Thompson, it creates the situation where you do want Steph Curry playing a little bit more of that Clay Thompson role where you're using him more off the ball. Not that you didn't do that before, but the versatility he allows you to have by having such an outstanding playmaker. And he's really the best facilitator on that team. And Steph Curry recently said the most intelligent player he's ever played with in Weirdly enough, I think he's going to retire one of the most underrated players in NBA history because people are just going to look at his stat line. Like right now, his career stats are 8.8 points per game, 5.3 assists, 6.9 rebounds, uh, 1.4 steals, one block a game, and a pedestrian at best three-point shooter at 31.5. That being said, the Warriors don't have any championships without him. They don't get Kevin Durant without him. They don't uh, get 73 wins without him. And you need those guys who 
aren't going to necessarily put up monster numbers, but make every single player on the team way better. And especially the Warriors current situation, someone who's going to help get these guys up to snuff as far as IQ goes. Yeah, definitely helped out James Wiseman as well when he was in his first few games. Uh, so something you like to see, but yeah, another guy that you just, you know, you'd walk into an alley at night on a Friday in Chicago with Draymond Green. You'd go to battle with him. Oh, I'd be terrified. I'd say Draymond, let's, let's join forces, man. <laughs> we don't, we don't have to do this. You don't have to kick me in the balls. <laughs> And hopefully, I mean, and talk about a tough kick to the balls. That's one of the last people in the world you want kicking you in the balls, especially it's like a jump kick. Right. <laughs> a lot of elevation, some good follow through. Um, yeah. Obviously, he's he's pretty limber. So, you know, who knows? He might be an NFL punter one day. Yeah. And I mean, poor Steven Adams going way back. <laughs> <laughs> like it like it was it was part of the game plan maybe maybe in the huddles Steve Kerr's like all right we need you to take one for the team go kick Stephen Adams in the balls because Andrew Bogut just can't handle him could be yeah but I guess we'll never know unless we get some sort of documentary on that or maybe some some mic'd up segments that have been uh, you know put in the vault for a little bit yeah yeah we'll we'll see if there's a Warriors documentary that comes out and. 20 years produced by Steph Curry. I'm Indeed. sure there would be, well, what's interesting and let's not get, cause we have no idea, but there's constantly, you know, Steve Kerr alluded to it. Like there was drama. We don't know what happened, but that final year in golden state, something happened, something big happened that disrupted that team's chemistry. And we have no idea what it was, but there was some serious bad blood between Draymond Green and Kevin Durant. And it seemed like those guys just didn't even like each other. Yeah. I, I mean, that that's obviously what it looked like from the outside. So, uh, you know, I think both of them have gone on the record and said, Oh, you know, we squashed it, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't that big of a deal, but you know, obviously it got Kevin Durant to, I, I don't know if that was the straw that broke the camel's back, but Obviously, Kevin Durant's no longer with the team. So, yeah, yeah, Draymond is, and also part of the original, uh, you know, drafted Warriors with Steph and Clay. So, yeah, and I'm glad about that, just because I I love the trio of Draymond, Steph, and Clay. I hope that's good next year. So, I got two more guys in mind. I feel like one of them is a no-brainer, uh, but I'll, I'll save that. Who you got next on your list? I'm going Jimmy Butler. There he is. That's him. That that was the guy. Okay. That was the guy. Perfect. If you don't have Jimmy Butler on this team, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, and I, I'm glad that we both could agree on that because that clip I sent you yesterday. Hilarious. Yeah, where, where the guy is asking for people who don't know what we're referring to, uh, a reporter, I don't know what kind of reporter, I don't know if he was Miami-based or whatever, asked him, hey, you know, playoffs are coming up. you got a pretty tough stretch here. Listed off a handful of really good teams. Uh, do you think that this is kind of, you know, what you might see in the playoffs or this, this could be a tough challenge? And Jimmy Butler straight up is just like, yeah, if your sorry ass is on our team. <laughs> and so <laughs> yeah. it's just one of those things where like, you know, Jimmy Butler last year, I think made the most of, you know, obviously Miami wasn't the most talented team. They weren't, um, you know, scrubs by any means, but Jimmy Butler is a guy you also want on your team. He's not going to shy away from any challenge. Yeah. Uh, fantastic player. I mean, you saw the I don't remember what game it was I believe it was the game where he really went off in the finals last year where he is hunched over one of the tables 
and, you know, like just giving it his absolute all no plays off. And that is a guy you want on your team, a dog. Absolutely. And geez, I have mixed feelings because I miss him as a Chicago bull. Of course, the guys really evolved into one of the best all around players in the NBA. Uh, people talk about his three-point shooting, but it seems to go up in the playoffs. It's not like he takes a lot anyway, but he's really someone you can plug one through four at this point in his career. He's got the eighth best defensive rating in the NBA. Uh, Draymond Green, just a few in front of him at seven, six, five. Yeah. So Draymond Green's fifth. We got two of the best defenders in the NBA right there. And Butler, one of the first amazing Jimmy Butler moments I had was I was a Bulls Hawks preseason game and Jimmy Butler hits this ridiculous three for the win. And, you know, Stacy King's losing his mind. Like the Bulls just won the NBA championship, the Bulls uh, color commentator yelling, Jimmy Jordan, Jimmy Jordan, which is a little ridiculous. There are theories. There are theories. <laughs> we'll we'll save that for like... the conspiracy quarter. <laughs> But much like Michael Jordan, he doesn't just want to beat you. He wants to humiliate you. And he's going to call you a sorry ass. (laughs) Got to have guys like that. Curtis, someone who regularly interviews these athletes is someone who uh, you've interviewed like Hall of Famers across multiple sports. You've talked to some big names. If you're interviewing someone and they call you a sorry ass, how are you responding to that? Uh, not the way that the guy did. Uh, yeah, he was like, you're right, Jimmy. I'm, I'm, I'm a yeah. piece of shit. Which, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I was looking at the comments and like this reporter passed the vibe check. Um, no, <laughs> if, if someone called me a sorry, especially too, because I didn't think it was a terrible question. Um, I, I don't know what I would do to be honest. I, I sh- like certainly wouldn't own up to it, but I wouldn't challenge the guy either. I'd probably yeah. just laugh off and try to move on, but no, I wouldn't, you know, be like, yeah. This sorry ass thanks you or whatever the reporter said to that. Yeah, that's fair. And you just see how much better the Heat are with him. They need him. Mm-hmm. When, when you talk about most valuable players in the NBA, he's nowhere near the top as far as the actual debate goes this season. But there's very few players that are more valuable to their team. And in that sense, he's up there with Giannis. He's up there with Jokic. He's up there with LeBron James. Where if you take that piece away, it's just not a very good team. And we don't know what the Nuggets would look like without Jokic. You know, he's been having a really, really healthy year. But he's one of those guys where if you take him off the floor, all of a sudden it's a team without an identity. And he brings so much mental toughness to the young players on that team. And I feel like a great mentor for Miami and a perfect fit for because the GM of the all dog team is, of course, Pat Riley, right? <laughs> I didn't know we were doing coaches in front office, but uh, were, yeah. but it seems like a no brainer. Right. Yeah. I'm not going to pick against that. Right on. So we got a one more bench spot. And so let's see, we got two guards, two forwards. We could put Draymond green at the center. Uh, so we got one more pick. We could put a, it could be a small forward, power forward or a center. We got our two guards. I'm, I'm going to pick a center, but he's, I don't even want to say he's out of position. You would just think that he would be based off his stature. I'm going PJ Tucker. Oh, PJ Tucker. I mean, if you're willing to pick up Anthony Davis and battle with him down low, 
play in the five at six, five or whatever PJ Tucker is, um, you know, also a guy who's going to get you some steals uh, plays really good defensively without fouling. Uh, PJ Tucker was a guy who stood out to me. Such a crucial pickup for the Milwaukee bucks who have kind of been lacking that edge in the playoffs, lacking that toughness factor, not to say they're not a tough team, but a perfect pickup for them. Uh, one of the best shoe collections, of course, in the NBA. Yeah, I think the uh, you know biggest sneakerhead in the game for sure. Always got something new. Does he have a cool nickname about that? Robert Williams is the Time Lord. Is he the Shoe Man? Oh, <laughs> Shoe Man. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'd have to look that up. I imagine if you go to Basketball Reference, everybody's got a nickname. It's probably something super bizarre. I'm checking right now. Yeah, right. I'm sure he's got something. Lord Sneaks, maybe we could give him one. <laughs> Let's see, PJ Tucker. All right. Stupid. Stupid. His so PJ stands stands for Pops Jr. And believe it or not, he doesn't have a nickname. His his real name is Anthony Leon Tucker. So Pops Jr., which technically I could go by Pops Jr. if I called my dad Pops. I don't know. It's a very generic, weird nickname. Yeah. I don't like that at all. We'll, we'll have to think about this for a little bit, Adam. But hey, I mean, this could be some some sort of trendsetter that we, that we set here because uh, you know if you can combine PJ Tucker with his sneaker game. There's got to be some sort of clever nickname out there. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll have to run it by Hami, the nickname captain of this show, okay. responsible for the master Bader and Moderna Pfizer Johnson. So yeah, the MPJ. That's a great one. Shout yeah. out, Hami. That's a great one. <laughs> Shout out Hami Arain. Just a, a weird guy. He is our Draymond Green. Dirty work. Okay. Yeah. He's always going to put up the huge numbers. Makes everyone better. Glue guy. Yeah. Every once in a while, good to kick somebody in the balls. You know. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, not yet. Not yet. He does have a silky jumper. Class than that. Yeah, I would, I would hope so. Uh, we played some two-on-two back in December, and we were a lethal duo. He was pretty much clay thompson i was rondo you know the guy's got a nice little J. and uh about five seven five eight not a very tall guy so that old man game strong anyway we got just our our bench piece left and then we'll quickly go through the daily dollar so there's two guys here for me and one's a superstar who's in the MVP conversation in one's just one of the greatest dogs of all time. So Chris Paul or Rajon Rondo. And I, I don't know. I don't know who to, who to pick between the two. I guess Chris Paul based on value. Either one seems like a very mean person, <laughs> like a very, maybe a likable guy. You got Chris Paul, the state farm commercials and stuff, but like somebody who's going to be, aggressively mean late in the game. And I like that. Yeah. I think that uh, if I memory serves me correct, I don't think that CP three and Blake Griffin have a great relationship. Um, let's see. I'm trying to, I mean it between those two, I'm going Rondo just because he's like more of like the quintessential asshole. Like, yeah. Every time there's like a foul on the floor, you know, he'll go up to the other team and try to smack the ball out of their hand. He's, He's petty with a purpose, as I like to say. Like, I <laughs> I love Rajon Ron. He's gritty, gets in your face. He's just the guy who's, like, just good enough where he's not out there just to be an enforcer. 
but at the same time, like really likes to get under people's skin and really piss them off. And I, I think it's that much funnier that he looks like Franklin the turtle. Uh, <laughs> he's got this nice little like small stature. He's like six foot, six one, very lovable cartoony face, but a dog. Absolute. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we give the stars plenty of props on the show. So I will agree with Rondo and for the Clippers this year, putting up pretty good na- numbers per 36. We got to go per 36 here because obviously he's not someone who's getting a ton of tick, but just under 37% from three, 9.4 assists and uh, 13.6 points, just under two steals. One of the most annoying players of all time. And that's really what it's all about when you're picking your all dog teams. Absolutely. Yeah. People that may not have the most talent overall, um, you know, just looking at, at this list, I think that, you know, you can say Draymond Green is a star for sure. Jimmy Butler, obviously a star, but, you know, Sexton, Smart, PJ Tucker, Rondo, I think at this point in their careers, uh, not in that threshold. Um, so, yeah, just guys that maybe aren't the most talented basketball players, you know, whether that is because of age or, uh, you know, experience or skill or whatever, but, you know, guys that make the most of their abilities. Couldn't have said it better myself. All right, final segment on the show. It's the Daily Dollar. Uh, let's start in Cleveland, Joakim Noah's favorite city. Uh, no one ever goes there for vacation. The Cavs hosting the Suns. The Cavs officially eliminated from the playoffs. They averaged 104 points per game. The Suns averaged 114 and a half. And the spread at last look is Phoenix to win by 13 points. The over-under is 220. Kurt, what are your thoughts? Hmm. That is such a big spread. Massive. I, Jay Crowder's I, out. Darius Garland's out. Isaiah Frankenstein is out. Abdul Nader is out. I mean, and obviously, the, game time decision. The Suns should win that game, but I, I don't know. I, I kind of picked the Cavs to cover. I think okay. I could cover in that game. And I'm then going. The over-under was what now? The over-under was 220. And my prediction is oh. riding that line, essentially. Yeah, I, I could see that going over. I'm going 117-104 Phoenix. So that's mm. 221. To push. Yeah. It's they should win. Especially the the Cavs have nothing to play for right now and the Suns every game is kind of a must-win game right now when you consider where the standings come into play as they look to potentially grab that first seed in the NBA playoffs which is just crazy to wrap your head around so next we go to detroit who they put up 107 points per game 110 points per game for the hornets who just got Lamelo back and uh we were wrong about Lamelo, kurt he's pretty 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 good yeah it's i don't want to say it's unfortunate i don't want to <laughs> you know like the the whole ball family charade uh i'm certainly over it but no there's without question he, he's the rookie of the year if you know, people go in that direction in terms of uh, the, the sample size, you know. Um, we got a special that- guest here. Ben Savage is hopping in. Kurt, it's great to meet you. I just got to chime in for one second about LaMelo Ball. And Adam knows me pretty well. I'm not the kind of guy, we we have someone who I will remain nameless, loves to look through sports in a scope mm-hmm. of like, I was telling you, 
back in here's a tweet in 2017 remember when i said the warriors were gonna be good and that's really not how i like to look at things i am a warriors fan though and this year obviously the clay thompson injury had a huge impact on what the team could even possibly do you put the best rookie in nba history on a warriors team with just steph and draymond no clay thompson like does that team really challenge even in the west i don't know maybe i here's why i wanted the warriors to get lamella ball He's turned out to be excellent. He's turned out to be like not at all a bit of a character issue or like the glitz and glam issue whatsoever. It's been no problem. But the equation of if Clay Thompson was healthy, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and LaMelo Ball is such a difficult one to solve for defenses. I think you have to do that from the sake of like simple game theory of being an underdog, which the Warriors probably would have been. You have to add entropy and chance into the game to try to win if you want to play the lakers and lebron in the fairest game possible you're foolish why would you try to do that so my thinking and maybe you guys as real smart basketball guys to talk about it was that not even the right choice to be like it should have been the right choice because wiseman's projected like yeah he's gonna be a good center good bit of a project good center is that equation harder to solve than the two best shooters of all time with a wild card. And that's saying we know now it's going well, but not really a good question. I, so I'm out of touch here. I, I'm out of practice. I haven't got my reps in, but all I'm saying is I would love to hear you guys talk about LaMelo Ball on the Warriors and what that team would have been like. Okay, we, we can address this quickly here. Uh, yeah, matchup nightmare. Both those guys are so good off the ball, and LaMelo with his six seven frame could be an awesome passing small forward in kind of like a three guard backcourt for the Warriors. Yeah. I, I mean, to be honest, I like the Wiseman pick uh, just because they kept getting uh, killed on the boards, but obviously he hasn't panned out to be the guy that people thought he was going to be. I mean, it's very early in his career, right. but no, ben, ben to your point, I mean, if you have LaMelo kind of just running the show, you know, I don't want to be the guy who takes the ball out of Steph's hands, but you know, if you have Steph and clay running around screens all game long, and people trying to pick them up and Lamella just kind of facilitating or throwing lobs to, you know, if, if Wiggins is still on the team in, in this situation, like that, I mean, it'd be a pain in the ass to defend. I don't know if people could do it all game long, especially over the course of a series. Um, I think everyone in the NBA is obviously in basketball shape, but how in shape are you if you're chasing guys around screens and they don't necessarily need a lot of space to get a shot off too? you know, clay instead, they just need a little bit of breathing room. And with, I mean, LaMelo, obviously a very high IQ player. It certainly would have been more fun to watch. I don't know long-term if it works out or, you know, if LaMelo is, uh, you know, has character issues. Who knows? Every situation is a little bit different. The fit obviously plays into, uh, you know, obviously factors in. But, uh, you know, LaMelo Ball out here pulling Tiana Trump, I ain't mad about that either. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, you know, it's really hard to look back and be, like, honest about what we knew back then and, like, yeah, LaMelo has gone aside from like getting hurt as well as we could have possibly projected. James Wiseman, like run of the mill for what we were projecting and pretty like par for the course. But like, man, it's just that like energy you'd get in the middle. Kind of like if you were to put like Steph Curry's like a goal line specialist at the end of the game. Not that we're taking the ball away, but like if he was able to focus on the red zone of basketball and LaMelo ball could just absolutely freestyle between the 20s. That team is is tough. Like Steph Curry getting to focus on, I'm going to close out every quarter and we're going to win that by four points every time. Like that's a 
that's an insane team to play against. Not the best defensively. They would lose that. But to Adam's point earlier, think of LaMelo Ball getting the tutelage of Draymond Green using his length and versatility. That'd be fun to watch. And I'll let you guys get back to Daily Devils, but I just wanted to talk about LaMelo <laughs> on the Warriors with some some people who uh, who had something to contribute to that. Daily Dollar, Ben. We're not playing tennis anymore. Right. Great, great tennis player, though. Uh, ben Savage, everyone. Ben Savage, not the same one of Boy Meets World, but just as legendary. Uh, back to uh, Daily Dollar. We'll, we'll kind of fly through here. Yeah, Charlotte takes care of business here. It's uh, over under a 217. Detroit is... I believe they had a game last night. They're going to be a little tired. You got LaMelo healthy, 118 to 102. Eh, 113.98, 113.98. I definitely like Charlotte to cover. It's only a four-point spread. I don't think it's going to be that close. I agree. Everything you just said, Adam. Perfect. Uh, The Milwaukee Bucks, round two. Ding, ding. This one was decided by two points last time. It's in Milwaukee again. And once again, Milwaukee, a two-point favorite. And so I, I took the Nets the other night when they were down and uh, I said that they were would cover the four-point spread at the time. I did like a live in-game bet. And so they did. They only lost that game by two. I really think that this team's deeper than we realize. Obviously, James Harden is out. Bobby Portis is a game-time decision. Keep an eye on that one because that could be actually really crucial. Uh, Jeff, Jeff Teague, I don't think, is a factor that he used to be. But I think Brooklyn gets the last laugh here. 124, 123, and that's an over by a very slim margin on the 241 and a half. Yeah, looking at my William Hill app, they have, uh, let's see, Milwaukee by two. Right. I believe, two-point favorite. Uh, yeah, I see Brooklyn covering that. High-scoring fair, especially if this, you know, two evenly matched teams that could go into overtime again. Uh, next, we got New Orleans hosting the Golden State Warriors who do not have LaMelo Ball to save them. Kelly Oubre is out. Steph Curry is in. Game time decision for uh, Lonzo Ball and Stephen Adams. And it'll be interesting to see if Draymond Green kicks Stephen Adams in the penis. <laughs> uh, yeah, what are the odds on that? Uh, on the penis kick or the, the game? <laughs> on, the, on the penis kick. Oh, yes. Uh, I, I think it's a plus 500 that Draymond gets a plus swift 500. kick to the Nads against Stephen Adams. Man, honestly, I wouldn't put a, a, a wager on that, but uh, you know, I think he's past that phase, but you know, that's good value. <laughs> yeah. Intimidation. Good value. Every uh, time they play against each other, I'm st- sure Steven Adams is like, I remember you kicked me in the penis. We got a, what Pels by one and a half here on the, uh, on the betting. I, I would pick the worst cover that for sure. I'm going uh one warriors. Okay. I think I like it's going to be a grinder, but there's a lot to play for for Golden State right now at 33 and 32. Pelicans really have to climb back in to make it happen. All right. The Miami Heat hosting the Dallas Mavericks. This is maybe the game of the night. It's a 216 over under Miami three and a half point favorites, despite no Tyler Hero, Victor Oladipo. Game time decision for Andre Iguodala. You got Luka Doncic, and he's healthy, and he's pretty good. Porzingis also game time decision. Ooh, okay. Um, say I like the over. Okay. Miami's uh, great at holding teams to low-scoring games. So I think this one will be really close. Yeah, this looks like the spread is Miami by three and a half. I think the Mavs cover that. I kind of think the Mavs win this one. The Heat have won three straight. I'm going 108-104 Dallas. So just under, and Dallas just wins on money line. 
Mm-hmm. Fair enough. All right, we got OKC against Sacramento. Sacramento, a uh, juggernaut offensively, but De'Aaron Fox is out. Halliburton is out. Uh, game time decision for Barnes. Uh, Me Too is out. Woodard is out. Uh, it seems like a trap game for Sacramento against a very well-coached Oklahoma City Thunder team. The over-unders, 228, always a high-scoring game with the Kings. I'm going Kings to pull this one out, 116 to 113. I think it's going to be really close. Uh, they'll, they'll hit the over, but they aren't going to cover. Yeah, Kings' worst defensive team in the NBA. So Horrendous. Got to be high-scoring. Uh, and then final game of the night, we got the Los Angeles Clippers in the Kawhi Leonard Bowl against his former team. Kawhi Leonard, arguably the best Raptor of all time. He was there for about eight months, won them a championship. Uh, first championship since the Cretaceous period, perhaps. Uh, the Raptors have been extinct for millions of years. He came back, brought him back to life. Uh, you, you talk about the zombie Sonics. Well, they're the, the zombie dinosaurs and uh, they also represent Tampa Bay, and I, they're also going to get their ass handed to them tonight. Yeah, I mean, uh, looking at here, Clippers favored by nine and a half. I don't. Ugh. Yeah, I, I think it, it's probably going to be a blowout for sure. Um, God, the Raptors. I love the fact that they're terrible this year. That's yeah, you you are not high at all on the Raptors this year. I just I feel like they just didn't have a lot of skill to begin with. And then, you know, obviously Nick Nurse does a lot with what he's given, but at the same time, I feel like the charade of the flopping and the, you know, ticky-tack stuff, the no-calls, has finally caught up with them. Awesome. Well, folks, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. This is the Hoopsterdamas podcast. Give us a friendly rating wherever you listen. And uh, happy hooping, boys and girls.